What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. As always, I've got my right-hand man, Kellen Finney, here with me. And this week, we've got a very special guest, Chris Walsh, CEO of MJ Biz. Chris, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Just uh, We're just in our busy part of the year. So, you know, trying to, to stay sane with everything going on. So when she approached you with the idea of kind of joining the cannabis space, was there consideration on your side? Were you kind of like, I'm ready to dive in? Or I mean, take us through that process. So when this opportunity presented itself, I didn't really have a lot of hesitation. So I said, hey, this is fascinating. What is this? How many times in a lifetime or a generation does a brand new industry come out of nowhere and crop up? You recently had Chris Crane on your podcast, and he was sharing how he used to educate clients on what to do during DEA rate. Can you kind of shed some light on kind of just what that experience must have been like? Yeah, it was a crazy time. So all these people built this up. Uh, you know, the industry was built on the backs of people taking huge risks. And those people are still in the industry. Some have left. So, you know, at that time, if you were operating a cannabis business, you were taking a big risk, especially one that touched the plant, which we never did, but we even faced risks. But at that time, there were. The DEA was raiding dispensaries and cultivation facilities. This was like the number one issue at that time. And so we actually, as a business in late 2011, we weren't sure where this industry was going. And so we kind of pulled back at that time. MJ BizCon, 2012 was the first conference? Yeah, absolutely. What was that like? A, it wasn't medical. And it wasn't really a business trade show for people in the industry, aside from some of these vendors, you know, peddling bongs and and uh, kind of head shop type goods. So that's where we saw the need. So we started this conference in Denver in 2012. And we have a background, the owners and, and other people on the team of running events in other industries. So we know how to do this. And we could not find a location that would take us. So we, we were able to find a friendly venue that was a, a former Masonic Lodge. And they took us in and they let us have our show. Um, and it was surreal. We've always tried to professionalize the industry. So you know, I give the opening speech. I come in a suit and tie you know, for an industry that's not used to suit and ties at all. If we're going to gain as an industry mainstream recognition, we have to act like it. We have to recognize that stigma is a big setback for moving this industry forward. So, you know, it was a very professional conference and we had media there. We had the Associated Press and and some others. And, and the you know headlines out of it were like, wow, this looks like a normal trade show. Uh, and conference. How hard is it planning an event that is in an exploding industry like ours? As this grows, the cultivation people, that is a difficult thing every year is how do we best serve the industry with a big show? And you can't go too, too deep everywhere, right? And then it's too much. So it's really about prioritizing, about staying in touch with the uh, our audience and the industry. And that's an, um, in a fast changing industry, that's hard to do consistently. Our biggest side of the company is actually our journalists. It's our editorial side. And every day, they're talking to people in the industry. They're writing about it. They're writing the research reports, news, analysis. So we lean heavily into all of the work that our journalism team does every day. How challenging is it to try to have that, that balance between the domestic and the international? So we started, we beefed up our international coverage on the kind of news and analysis and and market research side. So we hired people. We had people in Germany and Canada. And then we started doing shows. We did one in Colombia. We did one in Denmark. I was looking at Asia. 
Um, but what happened with the pandemic is, you know, we had to, to rethink everything we were doing. When your company's revenues depend largely on live events and those go away completely, you know, it's a big shift. So as part of that, we had to look where, what is important right now? Where does our business model fit in? What can we support until we get out of this pandemic? So long story short is that we re-envisioned what we were doing with our global slash international coverage. And MJ BizCon gets people from 70, 80 countries, right? It is a global show and we want it to be a global show. From a forward-thinking approach, where do you see MJ Biz? Take us through kind of the forward approach into the future. Yeah, I mean, the goal this year is to host host it (laughs) successfully and safely. We put all our efforts into making sure the core of MJ Biz goes off, that it's well done. And that this is a celebration for the industry. Yeah, it's about you know improving your business, learning how to start one, making connections, getting sales leads, all those things. But really this year, this is a celebration that we made it through the pandemic, that businesses were resilient, and that we have a lot to celebrate going forward. And that's the vibe and the feel that we want. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that being around other humans is so important for generating relationships. It's just not the same being in person versus digitally. And, and I think that the pandemic taught a lot of people a lot of things. I want to kind of switch gears slightly. Your podcast. Which of your guests have come on, have surprised you in a way you weren't anticipating? I really liked Chris Ball of Ball Family Farms in California because he was so open about his experience in this industry. And he came from the illicit market and he was in jail and um, he found a way to transition into the legal side. And he, he was able to leverage the social equity program there. But a lot of people with that type of background don't want to talk about it. But that kind of candidness is rare, in, especially in some public thing like a podcast. All right. So biggest misconception since you've been in the cannabis space? You know, I think there's the typical one that uh, everyone involved is a stoner or, you know, didn't have any other career path or that that was a lot of it in the early days that real business people weren't getting in. There's still that out there, but we're seeing that ebb. But I mean, that that is easily the biggest trend line in the misconceptions is that anyone involved in the marijuana industry isn't a real business person and you can't really take them very seriously as a business person. Uh, but I will say on the business side, I think the big misconception is among the mainstream companies coming in or the mainstream professionals uh, that don't realize that this industry is different. It's so different than anything they've done. And I've had this battle. I'm in a CEO group called Vistage, and it's CEOs from all sorts of industries. I'm the only cannabis CEO in there. And we have our group, masterminds group. We meet once a week or a month, and they're from construction and tech and you name it. And they don't believe me when I say this industry is different. And they say, well, we, we've been in tech and we've done, you know, we've been in 10 industries. They're all difficult, but at the end of the day, they're all the same. And that misconception I see everywhere. Which aspects that you share in your mastermind group kind of surprise them the most? Is there one that you kind of go with first? You know, I think the, the way that people do business in this industry has surprised them most. I mean, there are, there's a, still a high level of relationship building before and, and trust concerns, especially from outsiders, quote unquote outsiders. So. I think, you know, we, we've seen it all. We've seen people who want to do complex partnerships on basically a handshake um, or not have a legal review or just do everything really quickly. Like, hey, your, your brand's good. Ours is let's just do this and do this big thing. And we've learned you, you can't do business that way. So I think they've been surprised that there's still an element of that, of kind of this loose approach to doing business. So if you could sum up your experience in the cannabinoid space into one main takeaway or lesson learned, to pass onto the next generation, what would that be? It would really be flexible. And that's in every every sense of that word. 
That's being flexible with your business plans. That's being flexible with the market you focus on. It's being flexible with how you approach things. Like I just said, if you come in and say, I know how to do this and I'm just going to apply every, uh, the way I did it over there, over here, you're going to have a very difficult climb. So it's, it's flexibility in every sense of the word across the company, across everything you do. If you're not, if you're not flexible and that, that doesn't lead to you being nimble, you are going to fall behind the uh, needs of your clients, the customers, your audience, whatever it is. And then you're either going to fall flat on your face or it's going to be a lot harder, a lot more expensive and a lot more time consuming than it should be. All right. Prediction time. In 2026, which country outside of North America do you think will be a hot zone for the cannabis and hemp industry where MJ Biz will plant another massive flag? Well... Yeah, I do predictions every year at MJ BizCon for many years. And it's a stupid thing to do because it's so hard <laughs> anything in this industry. So you set yourself up for failure. I actually have a decent track record, but I've learned with, <laughs> especially beyond like 12 months out in this industry that it's anyone's guess. But you know, 2026, it sounds strange, but I would say potentially China. Oh, wow. I was not going to go with China at all. I was going to go with Germany. Germany, Germany is a good one. And we had one in Denmark and, uh, you know, there's a lot of activity there, but I'm kind of thinking outside the box thinking five years in this industry is like 25 in any other. So China would be big. Like that would be a global game changer. I think, I think, you know, there, there has been movement in Asia and, and even if it's only on the hemp and CBD side, uh, at that time, you know, I think the THC side is another question, but there is a massive market in China on the CBD side, we outside of the US and Canada, it's uh, you know our second biggest draw at MJ Biz. You know, we get ex- tons of exhibitors and, um, and attendees. And so I could see that developing in other ways. Now, again, I don't think that would be the THC side. Awesome. Appreciate the time. Looking forward to seeing you in Vegas. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked, the podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your can of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked, the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.